<laughs> Good morning, Springbrook. This is my favorite time of the week, gathering together with our church family. I'm so glad that you came today. I uh, received an email this past week that was very, very disturbing. And when you'll find out who it was from, you will be surprised. What is wrong with this picture? Oh, there's a... (laughs) I see you back there. The wise men are in the picture, right? You see, this is... This has been a cause of mine since 1989 when I started as a full-time pastor. Every year, as many of you know, I've talked about this because there's a great lie that's being perpetrated by the industries and by traditions and things like that, that the wise men were at the nativity scene. Friends, the wise men were not at the nativity scene. This is the message that I have tried to spread and encourage you to do. Don't put your wise men in the nativity scene because they didn't arrive till like one or two years later. They had to travel 700 miles. Now, how many have joined the Wise Men Truth Initiative with me? Put your hands up high. All right. Okay, now scowl at the people who haven't. No. Uh, <coughs> no. We want to educate people about these type of things. They arrived two years later in Nazareth. It says they came to Jesus' house. And there's so much misinformation out there that we need to speak out. Will you, will you join our initiative? Will you go? How many have the shepherds and the wise men, excuse me, together, activity scene uh, right now? Okay, why don't you leave? Matt, come on. Man, what's going on here, buddy? You're killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> we'll talk later. Yeah. <sighs> I've been working so hard. You've been here for... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, what you want to do is go home and move your wise men to another place and, and just a small note card saying, arrive two years later. It's very simple. And then you go to other people's homes while you're having your parties. And while they're not looking, you move them and put your own card down. They won't know who did it. Right? And if you see public nativity scenes, do the same thing. Well, I might get arrested. Well, do you believe in it or not is the question. That's a question. So this is so important. Now, we look at this nativity. You know who this nativity scene belongs to? Pastor Rich, the executive pastor here at Springbrook. Oh, oh. I mean, is Rich in here? Don't hide back there, young man. Step out of the shadows and own what you've done. And so somebody sent me this picture and. I went to Rich, why? 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 Well, it's a set. 
they go together, you know. We don't make many, we don't put many decorations for Christmas. Uh, so, yeah, it's just really quick and it's too much work. Oh, Pastor Rich, we're going to have to use some peer pressure against you in order for you. He said it, he did it the first year and, and he said it was too much work. Oh, come on. Mark O'Mara back there, we were talking, and he has the wise men in the bathroom. And he has figured out how many miles, like seven, eight hundred miles, and broke it down to millimeters, so they are exactly that far away. Now, friends, that is what we're talking about, is commitment to the cause. You know what disturbed me even more about Richard's picture? What do we have down here in the corner? Baltimore Orioles, 1973. He has that right next to the manger scene. Jesus and his ball from the Baltimore Orioles. Be praying for him. Uh, yeah. This is stunning. Well, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, which tells us a very familiar story about the wise men, but hopefully, as we engage in it, God will speak in a new way to us. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So who were these wise men? Well, it's a fascinating study because you have to go all the way back to Daniel. Daniel 5.11. It says, there is a man... Let me get the context here first. Uh, Daniel had been taken into captivity with the rest of the Israelites for those 70 years of God's discipline. And they had chosen certain people. They wanted to be leaders among the Israelites. And so Daniel and his friends were chosen. And Daniel, God was with him. God used him in this pagan land to spread the news about who Jehovah was. And it says here, after Belshazzar, uh, he was in a banquet, and there was a human hand that just appeared, a hand that, that wrote something out that nobody understood. All the other wise men and astrologists couldn't figure it out. There's a man in your kingdom. He's, this is the queen talking about da, uh, Daniel whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. So he was older at this point, and she remembers clearly how amazing he was. And King Nebuchadnezzar, now he's the one who brought the Jews into captivity in Babylon. Your father, talking to Belshazzar, your father the king made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Now, what you need to understand, back in that day, the wise men were the most powerful people in their world. Because if you wanted to become a king, you had to be trained by the wise men, and they needed to appoint you. So these guys were king Makers, and they all had different kinds of interests. Uh, the word is magi, wise men, 
And so we get a word from magician because they were into all kinds of stuff. They were into astrology. At the same time, they were into astronomy. And so they loved to watch. They had so many different interests. And so God puts Daniel right in the midst of them to speak of Jehovah, the true God. And he teaches them. And he teaches them about who God is. And and he, he again, trains them. And what happens at that particular point is that becomes a very important part of the wisdom that is passed down from generation to generation. And they were talked about the consolation of Israel, the comfort, the peace of Israel. The Lord Jesus Christ who is going... To come. Look at Matthew 2 2. They were saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Where is he? The king of the Jews is here. We know because we've learned the wisdom passed down to the generations that there would be a star and that we would follow that star. And they were looking for a king. It's interesting, back in that day, of course, world tensions. You had uh, people in the West, the Roman Empire, and then you had the Eastern uh, portion of the world, and that was the Orient. And they didn't have a strong king. And so, therefore, they were looking for a king. And, And they were just so convinced that what they had learned was true. And when they saw this star, they followed it. Another common misconception about the wise men is that uh, there were just three of them, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Three gifts, three guys. Does the Bible say that there were three wise men? No. It only said there were three gifts. Now, it was wise men, so there had to be at least two but there could be four or five. So if you want to take the Wiseman Truth Initiative to another level, buy like seven wise men. And that will get conversations going. <laughs> Just surround the place with wise men. Okay? Because we have no idea. And again, they had to travel over this very difficult terrain. I mean... It was an incredible journey they went on. And when these wise men traveled, uh, they had an entourage with them. Each one would have like a hundred people with them, mostly military to protect them. Very dangerous trip that they took. So you can imagine, let's say there were four of them. You've got this group of 400 people that are making this unbelievable journey in order to find the king because... The wise men believed and they were willing to invest their time and their effort and energy to find this king. Ever searched for something? Have you ever lost your cell phone? I mean, that's, people just really come apart when they lose their cell phone. <laughs> that's their life. Everything is on their cell phone this past week. I misplaced uh, my wallet and my keys. I'm thinking, where in the world 
did they go? So I'd been several places, and I called back and said, have you seen this wallet? And I mean, I probably spent an hour or two on it trying to find this thing. And finally, I remembered, now wait a second, I was organizing things. And I, I probably put them in uh, the tray that I have or other things in the room. And sure enough, I brought that tray down, and there they were. What's really interesting is what happens to us when we lose something that's very valuable like that, right? We become fearful. We say, I've got to have that wallet. I've got to have that cell phone. And all of our energy and focus lasers in on this one issue. I've got to find it. You recruit other people to the issue. My wife is the best finder on earth. She's lived with me for quite a while. Uh, But the point is, is that everything is about that. I mean, whatever was on your mind, before it happened, you forget. It's like, I've got to find that. And then it's just victory when you find that thing. I found it. I found it. You're excited. This is the middle of a normal day. And it's like you're so satisfied because... You found what you lost. And friends, that's how we, we need to seek after Jesus. Uh, anybody seen this toy? Uh, they're fingerlings. They go on your finger and you, they're about palm-sized. And I guess there's 40 different types of animations and uh, saying certain things. I I haven't researched it totally. (laughs) But this is the hottest gift. How many have bought this for your children, grandchildren? Oh, well, you need to get out there right away if you have any intention because, man, this thing is going to be flying off the shelves. It already is. It's still available. How many have gone on a search? Somebody's calling me. Excuse me. talk to my son later. Why is he calling me, man? I mean, he grew up at this church. Hopefully everything's okay. So, how many have done this in the past, you know, when there's just the hottest Christmas present around? Have you gone from store to store looking for that present? Anybody like that? You guys didn't care about your kids? Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. We have a few. Yeah, I mean, that. You, everything is about getting that one toy, and you are willing to pay top dollar for it. It is amazing what happens when, again, there are not enough toys to go around. And you know, Parents will spend thousands to get the right toy if they have those type of resources. But again, it's something that you're seeking after, you're focusing upon. Friends, we need to search for Jesus Christ in the same way. Where is He who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw His star when it rose and have come to worship Him. Again, One, two years later, they had 
made this momental journey and they come into Herod and say, we've seen the star as it rose. Now, a lot of people say, well, was it the North Star? Was it some other type of, uh, you know, whatever, comet? Uh, I personally believe that it was the Shekinah glory that we see in the Old Testament that, again, led the Israelites through the wilderness as a pillar of fire or as a cloud. The very presence of God, I believe, appeared as a star, and then later we'll see it as they come back to Herod. So they saw his star, the rising star, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, Herod... Oh, mercy. He was probably in his 70s at this point. He was a very ambitious person. He went to Rome in the hope of trying to get some type of political appointment to rule over a certain area. And he just kept working the system and talking to the people. And finally, somebody said, well, maybe that land of Israel over there, kind of the sliver between the east and the west... Maybe that's your area, but you've got to fight for it. So Herod went and he fought for three years to establish Roman, Roman authority in this area. I mean, he, and he was paranoid. Oh, talk about paranoid. He killed three of his sons because the people liked them better. They're, they were more popular. <laughs> it was a reign of bloodshed, one scholar said. He just would take out anybody who tried to challenge him in any way. So when Herod was troubled, and all Jerusalem was with him, right? They, they've seen this guy over the last, whatever, 65 years, and, and how many people he's killed, and when they knew that Herod was in that mood, you better watch out. Something bad is going to happen. So we see that Herod assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet prophet Micah, Micah 2, and that verse is quoted here. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. It's one of the 333 promises, uh, prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Because he was the Messiah. And again, the scribes, they're the ones who kind of managed the documents and, and kept the Pharisees, you know, clear on what was going on. And even, of course, the Pharisees made up their own uh, laws uh, beyond uh, the Old Testament. So these guys knew. These were the people to go to. But you know what the question is? Why didn't they go and see? This child. 
I mean, they had studied about it. They knew about the Messiah, what to look for. But they weren't interested. They missed Christmas altogether because they weren't searching. Because they were expecting, well, certainly a man. I mean, a baby? A baby that is so fragile. You know, you take a newborn and (laughs) hold it so carefully, right? Uh, Because you don't want to drop the newborn or cause any other type of of danger to them. Uh, A newborn is the most fragile person in the world. The most vulnerable uh, in regards to how he's going to be cared for. And that's how Jesus came. He came as an infant. He didn't come as a conquering hero that they were expecting. But He came as a baby. And you see, that that says so much about what Jesus Christ's kingdom is all about. Everything is turned around where... In this world, you know, we, again, are impressed with those people who accomplish much and different things uh, they've done in their life and, and they're well known for whatever reason. But a baby born in Bethlehem, right, in, in a manger, that, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And friends, I think that's one of the critical things you need to learn in the Christian life is that it's always upside down from what the world teaches. Jesus Christ said, hey, you need to be a servant. I came to be a servant and you need to be a servant. And again, people don't clamor after servanthood. We don't have shows that feature all the servants in the United States. It's the celebrities, right? But every time you'll see, as you grow as a Christ follower, you're going to keep seeing that flipping and say, it's not about you, it's not about anybody else, it's about Jesus Christ alone. That's so important. And here we see it in the birth of Jesus Christ as a baby. Matthew 2.7, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly. What? You see, the reason that Herod freaked out, again, because he was very paranoid, and he was the king of the Jews, and they came and said, we're looking for the king of the Jews. (laughs) Herod was very, very upset. And so he gathered him secretly because he didn't want to make a big deal out of it to know that he had any interest in this type of thing. Because, again, everybody knew he was in that type of mood. And he had actually feared uh, the Medes and the Persians, where the wise men came from. That was one of his fears, that they would come in and take Israel from him, for their their own empire. So there's a lot of fear there. So he wanted to know what time that star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. 
And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Of course, Terrible lie, right? Why did he want to know where Jesus was? So he could kill him like he had killed so many other people. And you just have to imagine how Herod felt. He was paranoid anyway. And then all of these kingmakers come and say, hey, there's a king of the Jews. And Herod just goes totally nuts, as we'll see in several verses here. But he said, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. This is the one thing I want you to walk away with. And that is, how are you seeking after God this Christmas? I mean, it is such a busy season. Moms, women, God bless you. We need to help out, right, men? But, you know, all of the work that goes into Christmas in terms of parties and their kids and their parties and uh, all the gifts and, and getting family together, I mean, it is a wild season. That's why it's so important that we as Christ followers remember that it's all about Jesus and how we're searching Him out in our life. Have you been searching for Jesus this past week? Have you been searching for Jesus this past year? There's a lot of ways we can search for Jesus. And of course, uh, we want to be a disciple-making family, a disciple-making church. And we had a team put together uh, the description of the type of disciple that that God talks about. So, we want to share Jesus with others, right? Think about Christmas. I don't think there's a better time when you can start a spiritual conversation than Christmas. Right? Easter, not as easy. But, hey, why did Jesus come to this earth? What was He here for? And you can get into, it's more, again, more easily to get into a conversation as you talk about Christmas. Just talking back and forth, but taking that bold step and saying what you believe about Christmas. You don't have to go beyond that, but just, you know, in two minutes, tell them what you believe about Christmas. And if uh, you ask for more boldness for God to share your three-minute story, how God transformed your life. This is the season to take advantage of it because <laughs> the intent, of course, is that we're celebrating Jesus first. Now, why would we celebrate that? It's also a great time uh, to give gifts. So as you have a gospel relationship with somebody, somebody that's your friend, somebody that you want to share Jesus with. You could maybe get them a book in a particular area where they're struggling in life. I, I, there's a Christian book out there for about everything, <laughs> okay, which is great. So buy them a book. You're closer to them. You know what they're struggling with. And say, hey, I just got this book. Maybe it will be helpful to you. 
And if you can't find a book, we'll just go online. <laughs> you find everything online and find a blog. There's a blog about everything that might be helpful to them and just send the URL to them and say, hey, check this out. I thought it might be an encouragement to you. What a beautiful time to invite them out to worship services. Again, Christmas and Easter, right? The Christers, <laughs> they show up two times thinking that that's going to satisfy God. I'm glad they show up because in the midst of that, hopefully the Holy Spirit will grab their hearts and say there's so much more than just coming out of the two services. You do not understand the Gospel. So we need to be praying. We need to be asking God to lead us to someone we might invite. Christmas Eve is on a Sunday morning this year. We're going to have a uh, Christmas Eve morning. Uh, we'll just have child care through age five. So we'll basically do a Christmas Eve service, that type of feel on Sunday morning at 9 and 11. Now really, when you think about it, it's tough to get people out on Christmas Eve because they all have their traditions and things of that nature. But say, hey, you know, there's a Sunday morning that you can come. Come out to Christmas Eve. In fact, Christmas Eve can be one of the biggest opportunities to invite someone out for a spiritual experience because, well, still culturally, there's kind of that, you know, tradition of going to church on Christmas Eve. And think about who you might invite out. So we share Jesus uh, with others and then we worship with others. We worship with others. It's all about others, right? The Christian life is not a solo game or a solo journey. It's all about being with other people, loving other people, and meeting their needs. So we've come to worship together. And as I look out throughout this congregation, I just, you know, so many people I've known for years and... Uh, you know, it just encourages my heart when I see people. So, one thing, of course, during the Christmas season, sometimes you're traveling, it's not possible, but be with God's people. Be with God's people. This type of service in any type of Bible-believing church is much more important than anything else you're doing. Right? Because... The purpose of Christmas is to worship Jesus Christ. He was incarnated into one of us. So we share Jesus with others. We worship with others. And then we study the Bible with others. And I want to encourage you dads and moms... Uh, Go online and search for children Christmas devotionals. And there's all kinds of stuff out there that can be very helpful. And, and find one that's right for your kids. There's all kinds of them. Uh, and start to have a family worship time, a family you know, devotional time. And you don't have to do it every day. Maybe just... One time a week, that will be growth for you in terms of engaging your children and sitting down and talking about Christmas. Of course, you have the Advent calendars that are always fun uh, for kids. This is such a rich time to build into your children 
the values of what Jesus really is all about. Another thing, we serve with others. That's what a disciple does, right? He serves with others. I want to thank all of you. I look at all the people and all the areas that they're serving in our ministry, and it's just a, a beautiful thing to see people serving and, and, and also asking the question, who can I serve this Christmas? Can I take a, a cookies, right? Some cookies next door? Whoever our neighbor might be, just to strike up a conversation with them and just show them the love of Christ. Or maybe you know somebody who's really hurting in their life right now. Maybe within our body here. And you say, hey, let's go out for coffee. I'd just like to catch up with you and encourage you. That is serving people. And we need to ask for those opportunities to serve people. And of course, there is prayer. Prayer. How's your time going with God? Your tag time. Time alone with God. And again, research has shown that that is the most powerful way to develop a relationship with God is time alone with Him. So many times, uh, we, we don't do it. We come in and out of seasons. and uh, Again, we'd like to have a rather regular pattern, but you can fall out of that. So, again, you just come back to Christ and say, I want to spend time alone with you. If you take your worship notes, the green insert, out, I want to look at something that's very interesting. I came across this this past week, and I thought it was just outstanding to really get into the heart of what a relationship with God is. Something we see our relationship with God is event-based, a church and a small group. But Tim Keller had these on the web. And these are the three areas you need to ask. And if you don't resonate with these questions and it's kind of foreign to you, that means maybe you're young in the Lord. Or maybe it's been that you put Jesus in a box, right? It's always our temptation to put Jesus in a box. Remember the home illustration where your life is like a home and you have the kitchen and the dining room, the family room, the bedroom, and God has moved into your home and He wants to be Lord of your home. He wants to be Lord over every house, every issue, and we all typically... And find some issues, well, you know, we rationalize and say, God, you can have the rest of the house, but this particular area I've got control of. I can handle it. That's rebellion, isn't it? We don't want to submit to Jesus. And I know with this number of people, there are people in rebellion right now in their relationship with God. Or there are people who are just Playing the role, one might say, of Christian. And if they look through these questions, like how real has been 
uh, God has been this week to your heart. How clear and vivid is your assurance and certainty of God's forgiveness and fatherly love. Are you having any particular seasons of sweet delight in God? When was the last time you had one of those seasons? And you said, well, I, I don't know about that. Well, again, if it's a rebellion issue, you repent and just go to God. Use these questions over the Christmas season. Evidence of Scripture changing you. Have you ever been finding Scripture to be alive and active? You've got to be reading it to do that, right? Are you finding certain biblical promises extremely precious and encouraging? Which ones? And then evidence of a growing appreciation for God's mercy. Are you finding God's grace more glorious and moving now than you have in the past? These are great spiritual growth questions. Because if you look at this and say, well, no, the different questions, here's an opportunity for you to grow and say, Jesus, this season, I want to feel your presence. I want to feel your love. I want to see you work in my life. I want you to change my life in those areas where rooms I'm not letting you into. That is the most tremendous gift you can give to Jesus this year. Are you excited about your spiritual life? You know how we are when we're excited about a movie or excited about a TV show, you know, binge watching. These different shows. You know, we want to tell somebody, right? I'll tell you what, I've got something very special to share with you. I'm a movie buff, love to go to movies, and I found a new theater. A new theater. How many of you are aware of the theater, the Cinemark at Spring Hill Mall? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, I don't go down there normally anymore, and I said, it said seven dollars. $7 for a seat on Friday nights, right? $7. So I'm thinking, oh, man, it's some dump down there. Certainly they don't have the recliner seats, and we all need our recliner seats when we go back to the theater. I mean, really, how lazy are we getting? I know they're just trying to bring this. But this place has designer seats, and I went down there. I've been here forever, of course, and they had built this out where I think J.C. Penney used to be. And they have like seven theaters, and you walk in, and again, there's nice chairs, just like your experience at Lake in the Hills or Crystal Lake, but it's $7, and it's $5 during the day. This is exciting news that I want to share with you who didn't know it because you're spending so much money going to other theaters. Just bring it down to Spring Hill Mall. Bring it down. It's so cheap, I just might come out someday and just watch some movies, you know? A movie, I thought we saw Thor. It's great if you're, you know, into the Marvel Universe and everything. Very entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, my kids told me to go to it. So, uh, we did. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I really am. I know, you got to get excited about small things in your life. (laughs) All right? Keep things interesting. Well, friends, I pray for that type of passion that I would have to share Jesus Christ with other people.
compassion to, again, tell them the good news that has changed my life. Matthew 2.16, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, they didn't come back to him, this is further down in the chapter, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he ascertained from the wise men. So again, that's another proof for the two years. It's like, how maniacal, how evil is he to do that? Just imagine if that happened in the United States. They made a law. Oh, kids under two-year-old need to be executed. It's hard even to imagine how people must have been impacted by that. After listening to the king, the wise men went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So this, this is why I think it was a Shekinah glory, because it was an actual star that would just burn everything near it. Right? <laughs> but the Shekinah glory appeared again. It had disappeared. It wasn't like the star was there, at least as I think, the whole time. But it reappeared. And it led them. It led them on their way to find Jesus. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Great joy! They found a new movie theater. No doubt about it, right? What have you been filled with great joy about your spiritual life? And you're saying, oh, Dan, it's so tough... I'm going through this crisis and I, I just can't get reconnected. Well, keep on praying. Talk to another friend. Tell them what you're going through. Yeah, there are dry periods in your spiritual life. But friends, we need to have such an active and dynamic relationship with God that we should have something fresh to say. At least every month that God convicted me about this, that God helped me through this. God sustained me. God filled me. Because that's what true Christianity is all about. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And opening the treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Can you picture this? 400 people okay, coming to Nazareth because they had gone to Bethlehem, and they got information there, and they went to Nazareth. And so they went in, and the most, these are the most powerful men in the world. These are the king makers. And they bow down before a toddler. They bow down and worship him. What an amazing assurance it must have been to Mary and Joseph. I mean, now they knew they had a special child. <laughs> yeah. And that's the one thing Jesus wants more than anything. He wants your heart. He wants your love. He wants you to seek after Him. We have gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, of course, uh, was a sign of Jesus being the King. Uh, king David put on a gold necklace when he became a king and Gold was always associated with Jesus, the king. And then myrrh uh, was a fragrance, a perfume that they used for many different reasons. 
uh, just again to bring some beautiful smells <laughs> into this type of uh, world. And so they put it on their clothes or on the beds or when a person died, they'd use that. And again, it was the mark of Jesus Christ's humanity. And then frankincense was used for the divine. And so we have Jesus the divine. Three different gifts that were given. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is what I want you to think about. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, Herod had the wrong intent, but that should be our desire, is to search for Jesus, to experience him in a deeper way, in a real relationship where, where you feel things about God. And then go tell other people. Go tell other people. Friends, I want to encourage you to do two things. As I said, uh, read through those questions. And uh, I also was thinking about, let's start a Facebook campaign for the Wiseman Truth Initiative. So just go home right now. Just say, the Wiseman were not at the nativity scene. All right? Or whatever you want to say. I'll post something, and if you're looking, you'll see it, and I'll give you some more information. <laughs> just a fun, I mean, that's just a fun way to say, hey, Jesus Christ is important to me. How about just writing a short post about your spiritual life? Right? I mean, my birthday uh, was on Friday. I, I don't know if I look older or not. <laughs> but you know, one thing I really love about Facebook is that you hear from all your old friends. Right? All your old friends. And it just warms your heart because you realize that life is all about relationships. Life is all about relationships with God and people. So here's a challenge. Just in a post, put your story. Christmas is special to me. It doesn't have to be long. You should be specific about Jesus Christ dying on the cross and saving you and how it changed your life. Write that down. Many of you have been challenged to do that in different ministries, to write your story. We should all be able to tell what our story is. But I challenge you to do that. And please tell me if you do this. Send it to me. Whatever. Let's testify to what Christmas is really all about. We have our ushers come forward at this time. Heavenly Father, wow. I love this story. Because you showed up with the shepherds. And you showed up to Mary and Joseph. But the wise men were the ones that really sought after you. They invested their lives to find you. And that's my prayer for our people. In Christ's name. Amen.